0: Okay. Okay. Hello. It's me. It's Jake. Stop doing that. Stop it with the music. I said, turn it off. Okay. Thank you. I was in charge of that. That was, I, that was a joke based on the amount of times that I've already tried to do this and it didn't work. But you didn't hear those, did you? It was just for me. It was just for me. This part's for you. Hi. It's, I'm Jake. This is the podcast. Guess what? I am in Indianapolis about to talk to my friend. He's sitting right here, but he's being super quiet because we're doing it a new way right now. <laughs> And I'm going to put, see, you could hear him laugh a little bit. I'm, uh, so I'm in Indianapolis at Morty's, but it's probably too late for you to come to that show. Unless, as I always say, they invent a time machine, in which case, last night's show was pretty good. Um, Hey, where am I going, though, after this? Um, I'm coming up. Oh, that's exciting. That might be a little bit loud, don't you think? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, let's take that down. Hi. Um, So I'm going to Irvine, California, December 17th to 20th. Uh, at the Improv, January 7 to 9 I'm going to be in Denver, Colorado with Comedy Works. January 15th, I'm going to be in Bozeman, Montana. Hello, mountain men and mountain ladies. Hello, mountain ladies. Uh, Bozeman, Montana, January 15th. January 21 to 23, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. January 29th, I'm doing a private show in Seattle. You can't come to that, but I just read it because I'm reading off of a thing that you can't see. Um, and then Des Moines, February 11 to 14, I'm going to be at the Funny Bone February 17th to 20th. I'm going to be in Minneapolis, Minnesota at Acme. You're going to like that. I'm coming back to Detroit to the Magic Castle. It's a castle full of magic, but not just that. Also comedy. March 3 to 5, Detroit Comedy Castle. And then I'm going to Australia at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Please get your plane tickets now, because those are going to go up. Um, and we're going to have a good time down under in Melbourne, Australia. All right, so that I did that. I plugged all that. You can go to jakethis.com. If you want to catch my tour dates or you could follow me at Jake This on Twitter, please. If you're not doing that, just if you would, could, I could use, when that number goes up, it makes people pay attention to you. They go, oh my goodness, he's got one more follower. Maybe I should follow him. So, and in fact, maybe that's happening to you right now. Anyway, it's time for this part of this episode of the podcast. That sounds like a siren. Is that a it siren? It is a siren. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: We, we're in the good part of Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, this is a, so Todd McComas, you're my guest today. I am. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I'm so glad that you could come and be on the podcast. And I, I want to make sure it's loud enough for people to listen to because I got this new mic. I feel good about it. Um, Tell me about yourself. You're a comedian. I first met you met you when you picked me up from the airport because you were. In it. Oh, my
1: God. I got to turn the phone I off. I put the... mine on airplane mode. I should have. Yeah, no, that was your—that was not your phone. That was my phone. It was more a suggestion for you to do the same than... Yeah, no, comedians. I get it.
0: Sometimes I'm a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> but So this week, ladies and gentlemen, it's just a text. It's not a phone call. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but maybe Todd can call me at the end of this. Um, so I first met you because you picked me up at the airport, and then come to find out you're also a stand-up comedian, very funny, and uh, you have maybe the most awesome day job. <laughs> Yeah, I've been a cop for over 20 years. For over 20 years and yeah. not just a cop. Yeah. You're the real, like you were undercover,
1: Yeah, drug kind of danger cop. Yeah. Like I, you were in danger. We all start the same. I work for the state police here. So we all start as troopers with the Smoky Bear hats on, uniform and all that, right? Do you have the Smoky, the actual? I still, sm- I have two of them. I have a winter one and a summer one. The winter one's felt. It's fancy. Oh, it's man. very heavy. It's very heavy. Is it lined with any kind of uh, metal? Is it like a helmet and, and a hat? The, the brim of it is so hard. Like when I was I was in the Marine Corps, right, like before I did anything else as an adult, and our drill instructors, I remember, used to wear the same felt uh, Smokey Bear, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, our, we had one drill instructor that would always, uh, when he got mad at you, because at my age they couldn't really hit you and stuff anymore, but he would hit you on the bridge of your nose with the brim of his smoky bear cap it was the most painful thing oh, man. ever yeah just you know how sensitive it is right there it makes your eyes water. so he's just kind of head headbutt, oh, headbutt yeah. motioning you yeah to... like on accident purpose you know like he would what just he go oh, i'm sorry yeah oh yeah just start screaming and shaking his head just enough where he thump right on the bone on the bridge of your nose yeah and so does he have to come under your hat then to get in there or you're not wearing a hat uh when yeah. we well when we do wear a hat we wear the soft you know soft camouflage thing so there's are the much recruit yeah yeah, yeah yeah you're the recruit you don't get a nice hat like that right. nice hat. no 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 <laughs> so yeah I have two of those but I only did that for like 15 months like everybody all my peers give me a hard time about it because um, it's kind of like in the Marine Corps they say you know every Marine's a rifleman like no matter if you're a cook or whatever you went to infantry school first so the heart of the Marine Corps is everybody is a rifleman it's kind of that way with state police. Every officer is a trooper at heart. Well, I only did that for 15 months. Most of them do it for 10 years before they get any other kind of job. And uh, why, did you, do, why did you change jobs? I, I went on a dare. Like, I, uh, I worked the road for 15 months, or for nine months, sorry. And then I went, I had to ride a gambling boat because we got those uh, gambling casinos. Was it, it wasn't a real boat, though, right? Right. It was just, just on water, but you know, not moving. Like. This is the thing that I, it blew my mind the first
0: time I saw it. I mean, people who live here, or Missouri is the first place I saw it, where right. they're used to it, but it's like what they do is they build it near some water, and then they dig a trench from the water over so that there's like a slew of water that
1: runs under the building. Right. And then they, then they go, so we're on a boat now. Yeah, because right now, like the law here says, you can have a casino if it's on water. And so it doesn't matter what kind of water, as long as it's afloat, I guess, then you're fine. But when I started there, the very first boats we got, the, the law was it had to actually cruise a certain distance, and gaming could only take place while the boat was cruising. So we were on the Ohio River... And could not cross the middle of the river to turn around or we'd be in Kentucky, where it was not legal to have gambling on Uh a boat. Oh,
0: my God. So they
1: would literally just cruise like a tenth of a mile forward and then back up a tenth of a mile. And they just kept doing that during like a two-hour period. So you're just going backward. The boat's just going backward. Yeah. Did they build a
0: special boat like with two fronts on it or something? (laughs) Yeah, you couldn't tell the front from the back or the bow from the aft or whatever it is. Well, when I was in Missouri, they had they had it was the same thing that you couldn't you had you could only gamble while the boat in quotes yes. was set sail. But they built the building on top of uh, some water, so it was a building that didn't move anywhere. Yeah, and then they had four boats in the building, and so there'd be this casino. You like you can't go in that room right now because that boat is at s- sail. Yes, and so. You could, you had to get, you had to go into the one of the four rooms during the time when it was at port, right? And there's no gambling then. And then they go, bom, bom, We're gonna set yeah. sail. Then mm-hmm. nobody else could get on because that room was at sail, yeah, that's exactly. even though it was still there. But you could walk off, you were allowed. They didn't make you like, Oh, you gotta <laughs> yeah. wait here for another half hour to even go exit, to bed. But you couldn't can, enter, yeah, yeah uh, it was the funniest thing. Yeah,
1: they actually like it was the most boring job ever. And as a new trooper, you're full of piss and vinegar. You're like, oh, I want to be out there catching bad guys, whatever. So, I. Just wear a suit and sit on this boat with nothing you know and just watch people gamble and then did you catch any bad guys on the boat well one night finally i get some action right and again the rule was gaming could only take place while it was cruising so it would literally cruise for two hours at a time come back and dock for 20 minutes for offloading and unloading and during this unloading offloading period this one night uh, over the surveillance cameras, we see a guy come up and push an old lady down, grab her bucket of tokens where she was playing slot machines, and runs off the boat with her bucket of tokens. Like where he robbed her, right? Or mugged yeah. her or whatever. Yeah. So um, we take off after him, and I tell the security people, You tell the captain to hold the boat till I get back because it can't cruise without me. Mm-hmm. And I chase him into the pavilion, into the <laughs> parking lot. Catch this guy. We tackle him. Put him in handcuffs. Call the local police to come get him. Well, the boat is now thirty-two minutes delayed from, from mm-hmm. cruising. So afterward, I'm all proud. You know, my first arrest on the gambling boat and whatnot. I end up getting in trouble and reprimanded for delaying the cruise. Because how much revenue did you cost? Then? Exactly. But this is the thing. You're not a. You're not a.
0: Boat and casino employee, you're no. a police officer. Yeah. And so your job
1: is to fight crime. That's how I saw it.
0: That's and, how but, I see yeah. it too. <laughs> but my
1: bosses, I guess, had a different opinion of what my job was. I, my job was to be physically present so they could collect tax money on the revenue. Well, then they
0: need to get another police officer that they're paying to stay on the dock to like handle the. And, and that's what it.
1: they do now. Now they have gaming agents that work for the. The Gaming Commission of Indiana. So they're more like just be present because the law requires them to be present. But they can't intervene and fight crime? Right. It was kind of like you put a young Holy trooper cow. in that position and he's just supposed to be kind of just in a regulatory you know, representative of the state. It, you put a piss-and-vinegar young trooper on there. It was kind of like when... Somebody's uh, getting arrested. Yeah, it was like when they sent the, those Marines in that peacekeeping mission in Lebanon or whatever, and then they end up shooting up that police station or what. It's like, oh, they're not peacekeepers. you know? Right,
0: right. And they're young guys. They yeah. want to be in the action. Right. It's funny, I'm listening to this uh, podcast. Do you ever listen to Hardcore History, Dan Carlin? No. I'm no. just plugging his podcast on my podcast because it's <laughs> so awesome. But he's doing this thing about World War II, and he's talking about that that t- these guys the young guys and how much they just they wanted to like they did they're disappointed when they hear gunfire and they're not in it sure you know? like we yeah. want to be in a war yeah and it sounds a little like that's kind yeah, of what it's like that's when exactly you first, what felt when you're first like. a cop mm-hmm. so you get off the boat how, so is this the incident that they go
1: look todd you're not right well, i think it was the incident and there was a couple to follow but quickly within that one year of us young troopers manning these boats because no one volunteered for this, so we had to go literally from the academy almost to, to fill these spots. They didn't want some, no old guys wanted this job? Nobody wanted this job. And now, now they all love it because they found out it was. They realize you just yeah. sit down and watch TV right. all day, right? Yeah, and make the same money. But they, so during the year we were on there, it took them about, I think, six months to decide, oh, this was a bad idea. Like, you yeah, <laughs> guys we, are arresting the shit out of people that are spending money, you know. Uh-huh because the goal is to get them drunk until they lose all their money and then when they lose all their money the boat decides oh you're too drunk to be here and they kick them off right uh-huh and they were kind of using us as you know as leverage for that well that
0: description of
1: casinos is a little bit
0: cynical it almost seems like they're trying to take advantage of us <laughs> yeah, big time I mean
1: that's why you know when to... I see
0: that fountain to me it says this is some generous people who want to share with me <laughs> to uh, what you're describing is very different yeah um Wow, so
1: so, how long were you on the boat? Uh, about thirteen months. That's a year and a month yeah. to people who don't have yes, a year and a month. <laughs> so I did nine months as a buck young trooper on the road in uniform of the Smoky Bear, and uh, thirteen months on a gambling boat. Back six months on the road as a trooper, and I, an older guy told me uh, these these this detective opening. Like a shirt and tie detective opening opened up in Indianapolis, and he said, uh, "You should put in for that. You're from there, and it's." And I was like, "Well, you no, know, I need to be a trooper. That's what I came on to be." And he's like, "No, it's good practice. Like you, you got to get good at taking these tests and interviewing, so that later when you really want a job, you're you're, you're going to get it. You know, you're competitive." This is a guy who's for real trying to help you. Yeah, trying to help me. He's a it he was a mentor, right? So I put in for this detective job against like twelve other people Mm -hmm. and I only only have I barely have two years on and I get it. Like I beat out all these veterans and everybody and they give me the job. And why? I I have no idea.
0: Oh come on man. It's because you probably look like a young weed buying guy you look like a
1: guy who could be a bad guy, right? Well, this was a regular like shirt and tie detective. Job uh-huh. like okay working murders child molests all that kind of stuff oh, yeah. oh. so now I'm shitting my pants because this is like I'm like oh that's above my head right now you know every detective I'd seen before was older like my age now you know yeah yeah and I'm like I can't be a 26 year old detective you know mm-hmm. but it, I did it and I've been in investigations ever since so. That's why people make fun of me, because I never really had to do the pain in the ass part of the job. I got to drive a cool around, job. giving people speeding tickets, right. you never had to do that. Right. Standing out in the snow. I did it for a year. A little over a year. That's it. So those two hats that you got are yeah. in pretty good shape as well. They're, they're like brand new. Yeah. <laughs> My uniform's like brand new.
0: I still have it. And it's still hanging up? Could, they, could hanging they up. Could they say to you, Todd, you screwed up. I need you to bring in your Smokey Bear hat. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. At any time. They tried to do that to me once. And, uh, cause we had a, a bad superintendent who didn't like me and some of my friends, but I had acquired skills that no one else had. So I was secure in my job. that couldn't move me. Well, so talk
0: about it. My, my, my favorite thing about sitting around with you is to talking about the stories that, uh, that go on. But I think the last time I saw you, what we were talking about was the context of, you know, what's going on right now with the police yeah. and, uh,
1: black people and just holy cow yeah well this this is my progression to how i get to where how my opinion of that thing is now um or how things are now is uh i i worked for like roughly six seven years as a shirt and tie detective um just solving crimes kind of detective and then i got i went into the undercover job so Mm -hmm. i worked in the narcotics division and um Basically, my job was to blend in with bad guys and cultivate people that were in trouble to be informants to work for us and introduce me to their, whoever they're buying drugs from. So you're, you're pretending to be a, yes. a bad guy. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I and I'm and I'm hanging around bad guys who are my informants that you know signed up to work for us secretly. And do you have an apartment where you're pretending to be this bad guy, or is it like just does your regular life kind of blend in with these guys? It's different than like the the Departed or something like that in a movie. Where I know there are those guys. They're not very many anymore. But kind of you live the life full time as that. Ours was like on a day to day basis. So I would have just short interactions with these people throughout the day, and then at night, I just went home. But and you're knew. not, so you're not hanging out with them at night, like, hey, maybe let's tonight, let's do this or do that? Not very often. Yeah. uh uh-huh. A couple times. This was my my very first, when you first get there, they put you with the veteran undercover guy, and you just kind of follow him around, right? To, until they say, okay, he knows what he's doing enough, he can go out on his own. So... I had grown my hair out a little bit, but I, I was still pretty young, and I was skinny, and I had the uh, long blonde hair, so I kind of looked like a surfer kid, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, they teamed me up with this guy who's like a bodybuilder, and he's, t- he's tattooed from his neck to his toes, he's sleeved out, He lo- and his he's head shaved, he looks like an outlaw biker. So you get, it looks, to, to the outside observer, it looks like you're this guy's bitch for yes, prison. Yes, exactly. Right. And this is what my, so my first assignment on my own to be, actually do undercover work, uh, they pull, my boss pulls me into office and he's, and I'm with Jeff, who's the guy who's been training me, who looks like an outlaw biker. And he says, all right, here we go. Here's your first assignment. You and Jeff are going to go into a jail in Rush County, Indiana as inmates. Like, you both just got arrested for dealing cocaine. And uh, so you're going to go in, you're going to be booked and processed. Nobody in the jail is going to know that you're um, police officers. When you say nobody, you mean not even the, the jail, the warden, the the... the... the sheriff knew, and then we had a state police detective. But the guards there. don't know. But the guards, people inside the jail, had no idea. They just think we're scumbag Coke dealers. Oh, my God. They were just arrested in another county and transported there. Uh-huh. So. What could possibly go wrong? Had nothing. Yeah. I wasn't worried a bit. Yeah. My first... Yeah. Thing, like It wasn't like, oh... Did Jeff go, okay, look, I'm just going to pretend to have sex with you at night? <laughs> <when> the- <laughs> this is what you do. You yeah. just... Uh, yeah. Don't clam up on me. Give back a little bit. Uh, so... Yeah, I didn't even get my feet wet with, like, oh, we go buy t- two Oxycontin from this hillbilly. No, you're going right into what? prison. Yeah. And what are you trying to figure out? Okay, so the mission was, that, or the objective, was uh, there was a, a guy that was incarcerated in that jail who had uh, reported to the, the sheriff's office that there was an inmate in his block that was trying to hire someone to kill the detective... Uh, that had the case on him that put him in jail mm-hmm. before his trial came up thinking, well, if the officer's dad case dismissed, he can't testify. So, uh, they gave us pictures of the guy and all this stuff. And, uh, we studied up on him and then they, they put us in his, his cell block and we were supposed to buddy up with him. So I go like, Jeff goes in first. I'm like an hour delayed. So they put me in this like drunk tank holding cell thing uh-huh. while I'm waiting. And uh, there's an inmate going out that's being transferred to another county. I guess court in another county or something. So they stick him in with me. And the place is freezing ass cold. Like I'm freezing my balls off. and Because uh, they take away all your clothes except yeah. for your shirt. Yeah, right? you can wear a t-shirt under that little orange jumpsuit they give you. right? And then flip flops. Like. And it's uh-huh. cold as hell. So, I'm trying to act cool and, and belong or whatever. So, the guy's sitting next to me and we're just quiet on this bench. And I was like, uh, man, it's freaking cold in here. Why is it so cold? And he was like, oh, they turned the AC way up because we got staph infection really bad. And I'm thinking, oh, this is awesome. Like, I'm about yeah, to go yeah, in here go in and get, and get, staff get staph. Infection. Yeah. yeah. So, they processed me in. About an hour goes by. And as soon as I walk in the cell block, Jeff is at a table across from this big fat guy that's the target and everyone else they're the only two sitting at the table everyone else is in like a a a circle around them hanging on every word jeff had because now they think jeff is like a real bad guy you know this is a small county jail and like he, they think he's like a hell's angel or something and right? so they want to know like oh. hey what's it like in jail oh it's yeah like
0: we're in jail dumbass
1: <laughs> yeah it's like this but bigger but, he, but he's just talking away telling these stories and they're you know they're just loving him he's like king of the block already he's and telling stories <laughs> about being in jail
0: but yeah. he's not been in jail oh yeah
1: and and party stories because he's a biker and he, you know he's telling all these made-up stories and whatever and before we went there, he had instructed me, "Hey, the worst mistake most young undercover people make are is they give too many details uh-huh. and they talk too much." Meanwhile, you come in and he's Mark Twain in it. Yeah, exactly. And I and then I sit across. He's like, "Hey, Snowman," he calls me. Like, I'm supposed to be my cool fucking. Jesus. Who makes name?
0: up your code name? <laughs> That's like
1: from a <laughs> '70s TV show. I know, like Smokey and the Bandit, right? Yeah, Snowman. So,
0: The Falcon and the
1: Snowman. Yeah, or Falcon and the Snowman. So he he sets me down. I sit next to him. He introduces me to the guy. They're already buddy-buddy. And then he just continues to tell these stories. And he starts now he's telling stories about things we did together and went through together. And they're just loaded with details. And then he would stop and he would go... Oh, what was the name of that bar? That bar. That girl had the herpes. You know the uh used to. Jesus, and, what is this guy's out of control? <laughs>
0: He's the worst. Do you guys take an improv class at like, all ahead of time? <laughs> right. Because it's like after the thing,
1: you're like Jeff. <laughs> yeah, oh, I could. We gotta remember that. all of this shit. I, exactly. You're saying, right. Yeah, this is like everything you taught me not to do. Because now I have got to come up with shit, and if I say something. And they're like, oh, I've been there. And they start asking, you know, now I don't know anything about this place. But,
0: but at first when you were describing you guys are going into prison, I thought, well, you're going into the hardcore state pen. No. But it, it turns out you're going into kind of, this is the, the wrong county jail. sort yeah. of jail. Not yeah. Nobody wants to go to jail. I, do, I totally get that. Right. But maybe he's just feeling like I can I can actually beat up anybody in this And he jail. probably could. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's a huge monster of a guy. So, yeah. But I'm I'm scared shitless. Half, I mean... Do you think Jeff was on performance enhancing drugs? I I think he was. I think
0: he was. For real, or are you just playing along with a joke now?
1: Well, back in the day, because I did know him when he was a road trooper, like he was a seasoned veteran road Uh trooper when I was a young trooper in the same district. Uh And... He was like a legend, and he was three times the size he was now undercover. And I guarantee you, yeah. He, so this is well, you're talking
0: about this story about you and Jeff in jail is in the '90s, is it or? Uh, would have
1: been still? probably, I would say 2004, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Yeah. So that's still like when I was, I was in a gym in San
0: Francisco with, and there was a cop. You know, there were cops in the gym, and and but cops and neighborhood guys, and there were all these guys who were. They weren't competitive. They weren't in any kind of bodybuilding, right. powerlifting contest. But they all looked like they were kind of working out to be the big-
1: biggest guy in their neighborhood or oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, You know, that, 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 was that whole thing. These guys, they fall into it. Yeah, he was a legend. Everybody throughout the state would talk about it. He had to tailor his, his shirts because the sleeves wouldn't fit around his arms and crazy mm-hmm. shit. Awesome. And there was always a story. The Batesville Police Department, which is the first county I started working in, uh, where does J- he listen to podcasts? That this may be a good question to ask right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He lives in Florida now. We'll see. But uh, there was a story about him uh, had to fight this drunk at the, at the Batesville Police Department, and he put the guy all the way through the wall in the uh, little booking or interview room and. Into the chief's office, which bordered it, (laughs) because the guy was trying to attack him. so he he just just packs him into the wall. Went to slam him against the wall, but he went all the way. They went all the way through it into the chief's office. So, yeah, he was a monster. But uh, so how does it? So we're still in this story. Sorry, I keep sidetracking you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So now I'm I'm like, okay, should I answer these questions, or is he just fucking with me so that I do, and then afterward he's gonna fail me, you know, on my evaluation like I told you not to give details and you gave de- you know oh, what the hell really you're yeah. getting evaluated you're yes. just I'm just trying to get out of That's prison what I'm in this to... story. yes exactly like right. I'm already scared to death to be I weighed like 155 pounds there you know then mm-hmm. and uh you know so and now I'm like eventually I'm gonna have to take a, a shit at some point and this place is disgusting and there's staph infection everywhere so mm-hmm. I'm freaked out about that and then plus I've got this job to perform that I want to do well on because it's my first assignment right so, but it goes well. Uh, I just work off the cuff, and uh, afterward he gave me a great evaluation, but the guy loved us so much uh, that which guy, the, the guy we were supposed to buddy up to, the bad guy? Yeah, which by the way, he didn't it was a total made-up story. He did not want to hire anybody to kill, because Jeff worked into it. The, the nuance of the thing was uh, why it was supposed to work is we, we were telling him the The name of the officer that put the drug case on us, same officer that put the drug case on him, and then Jeff, being the badass biker guy, was like, "Well, you know, we if we get rid of him, there's no case." And thinking this guy would jump on, you know, like I also need to get rid of him. Can I get in on this? But he didn't bite at all. So it was like a, you know, some guy trying to get out of jail made up this story, yeah. but. He loved us so much, we would come back and see him on visitation every Thursday, and, uh, and his mom would be there every time, and so we got to be buddy-buddy with his mom. And then, turns out his brother had hi- hijacked a, a Walmart semi-truck full of merchandise. and Wow, well, he's from a family of uh, yeah good guys. And he hid, hid all the merchandise in these storage units, so he hooks us up with his brother, um, so we can get these goods for cheap and help help him get rid of them, and ended up busting his brother and getting all the stolen merchandise back. So so it's a happy ending. It's a happy ending. But it does ruin your friendship with that guy then, <laughs> right? Because
0: then now he knows that
1: it's you guys. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and the code that when they were to they were going to come at one point and say, "Hey, uh, your your lawyer's here. You're bonded out." I I was to take my shirt off, and I forgot. The, the code, because I was so nervous, I've, I was just in there, seemed like forever, and I'm like, how are we going to, when do we get out of here, you know, I, I couldn't remember, and so Jeff had to cue me, tugging on his shirt, take your fucking shirt off, idiot, so I took my shirt off, and that's how we get out of there, mm-hmm. so.
0: And is there ever the moment where this guy realizes that you've betrayed him, and he, because he's in jail the whole time, yeah. so. Well, he figures out in jail, all oh, those two guys that I've been talking to just arrested my brother. I'm assuming he did. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. We had no contact with him after that case was over. But yeah, he got shipped to a big prison at some point for uh-huh. what he was in there for. So, yeah. It yeah. sounds sort of scary, man. You're dealing with some scary bad people, right? It is scary. But after a while, you uh, you habituate, I guess, like... Um, it, I went to this school one time for undercover officers and that this guy teaching the class had been undercover for a long time and, and now he was like a psychologist or something and he would written this book and whatever. So he, he explained to us like the dangers of undercover is um, you, you habituate, you get comfortable and he told this story about like if you put, if you feed your boa constrictor and he's got his belly full and then you put a rat in with the boa constrictor The rat freaks out and hides because he realizes I'm in here with a boa constrictor and I'm about to get eaten. But the boa constrictor's full, right? So it doesn't eat again for weeks or whatever. So after a while, the rat, before you know it, is taking naps on top of the boa constrictor and, you know, he just forgets that he's in danger. And then eventually the boa constrictor gets hungry. And it's over for the rat. So he's like, that's what happens to undercover guys is... You get so comfortable in that environment, so confident that you can always keep yourself safe and everything's going to be okay, and that you can talk your way out of anything and convince anybody of anything, that eventually you start putting yourself in danger. Mm -hmm. And that's when bad things happen. Because when you have fear, you keep yourself safe. safe. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of the opposite of the movies about guys go undercover. They go
0: undercover, and it's like, look, day one... Are you sure you're not a cop? You know, right. Like they, yeah. they're,
1: they're right up against it from sweating balls from the beginning. And I got asked that a million times too. It's a dumb. I used to have a bid on it, like because they would always. Uh, they, they really do believe if they ask you that that but you, you have to tell them yeah. that you're a cop, like, which is obviously the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah. But you don't have to tell them. No,
0: that. no. The one where you say, "Look, I'm thinking about killing the guy who's got a thing for me, and you know, do you want to be in on me?" No. That seems a little bit like, hey, look, that was your idea, not my idea. Right. What if I, if I say, oh, it seems you do whatever you want, but I'm not. Right. I'm not doing it. You'd be doing me a favor, but I'm not in. Like we were entrapping him a little bit? Well, a little. It just kind of <laughs> seems like, well, that thing where they get, guy, they get these guys that then they say afterwards are terrorists because they want to buy, they go, look. We want you to buy a dirty bomb to do to give to these guys who are gonna blow it up over here and they and the guy goes, Fucking I don't wanna be in a dirty bomb thing and then they go, Right Okay, we will you help us get a dirty bomb? And he goes and the guy goes, Look, I don't know anybody who's got a dirty bomb. So then they get another cop to pretend that he's got a dirty bomb that right. he's gonna sell to this guy to give to the other guy. Sure. And it's just like really, I'm just playing a little part in this movie that you set up, but then now, this was all you made it up. I don't know anybody who's got a dirty bomb and I don't know anybody who wants a dirty bomb. Those are both you, dude. Right. That's well, what it sort of seems to me, like,
1: look, are we really catching terrorists or are we just catching dumbasses? Well, and that that's a good point, but, but in our entrapment statute, um, it's a there's um, an exception if you have predisposition to the crime.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: if you've shown predisposition, meaning in his case, we already had an, an informant of sorts saying he's already asked me to get somebody to kill this guy, so he doesn't have a defense anymore for entrapment. For that particular, now, if I were to go in there- Well, except
0: that that turns out to be bullshit.
1: Yeah, but if it hadn't and he would have acted on it, it wouldn't have been bullshit. And the predisposition whatever. What happened. if he acts on it, but it was bullshit
0: ahead of time? Well, then he then he then he could say, "Look, I was entrapped." That's yeah. the evidence that you say that says that I'm the real guy. It's just a made up story that that guy did. Yeah.
1: Well, that was the theory. That It's tricky. Just also. gets tricky
0: for me. <laughs> just gets tricky. What about this thing? Now I'm just asking you cop questions, but I got to put just kind of along that line. You know, this whole thing where we live in california they've got this registered sex offender thing Uh right and so you can go on the you can go on the internet you can oh there's registered sex offender this person lives here and they live there and then this thing except registered sex offender now can be a guy who whipped who, who took a he was drunk he took a leak in a park yeah and then he pleads down and they go well you don't have to go to jail for public, whatever, intoxication. We're going to drop it all down and you'll just be this. And then meanwhile, he gets registered as a sex offender. It's a registered sex offender in my neighborhood. Well, to me, it's like, I'm a parent who's trying to figure out if my kid is safe. Right. And now you're throwing drunk guys who took a pee into, you're confusing everything. Like, how do I know which guy's the drunk guy who took a pee and which guy's the guy who tried to have sex with a kid?
1: Yeah, or the guy who was dating this girl forever in high school and he was a senior and she was a freshman, Well, he turned 18 a little too early and she didn't turn right. 16 just early enough. Yeah, and I know they put a, like a different classifications now because of that, but still, to the regular Joe, when you see a, that that person shows up on your screen in your neighborhood, you don't care about the well, classification. we gotta keep a eye on this guy. Look at this guy. We gotta keep an eye on this right. guy. And it yeah. turns out like, he's just a right. dumb kid. Yeah, I think it's... Sh- I mean... We know what offenses we're worried about. Why don't we just put those people on the It end? needs, yeah, that's, yeah. What I, that's what I'm trying to say. Well, we're on the same page there. Yeah, I'm totally on your page. So, uh,
0: well, I always love the crazy stories of stuff that happens, but I mean, it, like I was trying to ask you before, in the context of what's going on with this police, which to me looks like out of line brutality, these cops are like, sh- this guy in Chicago just shot a kid. Right. You know, it's like, Oh my God, how is this happening? And how's it not well I was saying and I think you were kind of agreeing with me that the police maybe need to say, like, look, this is this is obviously not good. Right. We can't but it's it seems like when you when you watch the media now, it's the cops just kind of line up and say, No, we got a tough job and some you don't understand. And yeah. I kind of feel like, man, they can't just keep saying that, can they? Yeah,
1: and in the cop world there's like two factions. There's the one the cop that's always just blaming the media, you know, you're making things more dangerous for me because you're painting this picture that all cops are bad. But then, like the the faction I'm from is, okay, maybe, but also, fuck these cops that keep doing this stuff. I mean, they're criminals who are getting caught on video. I mean, the, the public has a right to learn about these people and see this stuff, right? That guy murdered somebody. Yeah, they're doing violent murder. This is like a dirty police officer, right? So you can't really blame the media for bringing to light something people should know. But it
0: doesn't seem like the the system is taking responsibility for a problem that needs to be corrected. It seems like the system is trying to close it off and deny it or claim
1: that they're doing something about it internally, but then they're not doing anything about it internally. And I think here's what's happening is, um, for one, I blame overly aggressive cops. Uh, I blame some of that, a small percentage of that, on training. Because when you are a young officer going through the academy, every training scenario they put you in where like um, you, they go all the way down to traffic stops. You do fake traffic stops where an mm-hmm. undercover guy plays the driver. Well, every damn traffic stop you do, you end up getting ambushed and shot with seminition bullets. You know, uh, what's a seminition? Like they're little uh, almost plastic BBs. You know, or it used oh, to really? be paint, paint like uh, paintball stuff. Paintballs hurt, man. yeah, but now it's seminition and they hurt more. But. uh you know, it's like, okay, what about the traffic stop where I just give the person a ticket and I let them go because they're a normal human being, you know? Why that's, do I not that's have That's what of percentage that? of those stops are there? That... Almost all of them. Like, most cops go through their entire career and never get threatened with violence at a traffic stop. Right? So the idea is, they're they're instilling this, you have to be ready because this
0: is what could happen, right. which is the truth, that that could happen. Could. But they're so training it so hard that it
1: becomes disproportionate to where... Yeah. These new cops kind of feel like that's it's going to happen. Yeah, I remember the first <clears throat> traffic stuff I made by myself. When I got out of the car, my legs were shaking. I was like, oh my God, my legs are shaking. Because my mind's eye took me back to the time I got ambushed, you know, by the guy hiding in the back seat in the academy parking mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, even though it's training, it's still somewhat scary and startling. Yeah, And now you're looking at a real person and you're like, oh, but that would be a real gun this time. Well, and then real people don't react the same
0: as bad guys either. That's what what I was saying. It's like my little interaction sometimes when the police are, you know, I live in the city, in a city, Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. And so if they're into it with some other person and you happen to be like, it's at a bus stop and they tell you, look, sit down on the curb while we're doing this. And you kind of go to stand up to say, "When can I go?" Right. They're like, "Sit they You know, they tell exactly. you to sit down in a way like, "I'm gonna come and break one of your teeth." Right. If you don't sit down, and it's like, then you feel like, "Hey, man, right. I'm a person, and I'm just trying to ask you a question." And then they see that as you're some resistant bad guy. And then meanwhile, just as a citizen, you're like, "Man, you're yelling at me." Yeah. And exactly. I didn't do anything.
1: And like there was, the, I don't know if you remember the video of. The cop in Cincinnati that shot um, the kid through his car window, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you didn't see it, I mean, this cop is scared to death. Like, he's in panic mode over this traffic stop. And this is where I think, I don't know, maybe that guy also had some psychological problems. But if you, knowing what I know about how these training scenarios go, and that was a pretty young guy, I mean, how do you react as a normal person if you're stopped for speeding? And you go to reach, uh, maybe even inappropriately, you shouldn't have done that yet. But how many tra- You know, you're not a trained. You, he'll the get guy's going to my driver's stopped. license. He's going on my yeah. reg- so registration. So let's say screen. you reach without the- being directed to, and then all of a sudden this cop puts his hand on his gun. Yeah, and bit. he's like, "Sir, get your hands on the wheel!" And he starts screaming at you. You get a little pissed off. Like, what? I was just going. You know. And then well, it's, it's
0: getting, the, it's just funny the way you're describing it, because as a person now, you start, I feel like I'm reacting the same way that the cop is reacting, yes. but we're
1: both reacting to the opposite situation that exactly. we don't think is going on. Over a bunch, you know, and it, so that cop, instead of just relaxing and going, um, it, you know, hey, sir, do you mind, do you mind just waiting for a second before you reach in there? And, you know, being calm and being a normal human being and having a conversation, he's his mind's eye goes back to being ambushed, and he starts freaking out like you're going for a gun.
0: But then, still, it'd be likely, if you're the person who's reaching for a license, it's like, no, I'm just gonna get my license out. Sure, and, then he and it like, no, all now,
1: now you're double screwing with me. I asked you to stop nicely, and you didn't stop. And we've seen videos on that, where they drag a lady out of a car, and then they end up handcuffing her or tasing her, just because she wouldn't follow orders. Well, she's pissed at this point. And now it's just an ego thing for the cop. You know what I mean? Like, okay big deal, let the lady do her thing, you know? You're not necessarily the boss of her, you know? I get it, you're kind of in charge because you stop them and you're detaining them to do your job, but you have to, they don't use their head, all of them, you know? And I think it's a training thing if they start humanizing this job a little bit and it's not all against, you know, there's not a bunch of monsters out here You know, occasionally you come across them. Well, right, but I I guess if I'm
0: devil's advocate on the police officer side, then I'm saying, well, so how many police are going to get shot because they're just assuming everybody's a nice guy? Right. And how many innocent people are going to get beat up if they assume everybody's a criminal? Yeah. And if I'm just me, a decent law-abiding citizen, what, you know, they don't give us any training. Right. I feel like, look, I need some training. If when I'm interacting with the police, what do I need to do to get them to chill out? Right. You know, no, one, no one's out there saying that. Yeah. I mean, I guess you do hear that a little bit, it, it, you know, people who have to deal in or in communities that have to deal with the cops all the time have are talk about this, like, why do I have to behave this way around the police? And right. Some of it is just because these police are just jacked
1: up and afraid of everything. Yeah. And some of them are just criminals in a uniform and there's, you know, or psychopaths or what, we've had some of those, obviously. Um, but I think it's going to happen with any job, anywhere. You have a certain- Tell me a story about a psychopathic <laughs> cop
0: that you had an interaction with. <laughs> well, here's but a funny one. Uh, a funny one. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Tell me the story you were going to tell.
1: Well, well, i was just to say here's what I see here's from something that happened to me just recently about um, how this is all coming together for cops because you're right. Part of the problem is. You also have to be careful out there and keep yourself from getting hurt. And it's a very fine line and it does drive cops crazy, especially in this era where cops aren't popular and they're being targeted as, you know, a class, you know, they're being generalized as a bad, just bad people. Well, we all like to think of ourselves as one of the good
0: ones. I right. mean, I've never seen you in action as a police officer, but you're a pretty good com- comedian, so I like to believe... <laughs> That you're a nice police officer.
1: Well, so here's what happened to me, and then here's my plan. I think how they could maybe remedy some of this stuff. Just three months ago, maybe two and a half months ago, um, we are f- tracking down a fugitive that's wanted on some warrants, and, um, and supposedly was to do a, was doing a drug deal that day with heroin. We're supposed to deliver heroin to an informant of some of our undercover guys, and then we were going to. Uh, take him down there and then you know arrest him for his warrants and hopefully get this heroin that he was bringing. So we're following him around. the undercover surveillance ends up le- losing him and then um, uh, the informant says, well, he probably went to this one particular apartment. he has a friend there and it's in the area where he where you lost him. So we go park at that address. Now we were given the wrong address by one building so, I meant to park a building away, and I'm in an undercover car, but I do have, like, a state police raid vest on, you know, a tactical vest, and I have my gun belt on. Uh, So I'm sitting in that car. (laughs) So you're not fooling anyone who can see you. Yeah, anybody that gets close to me, yeah, can see who I am. And also those
0: cars are so, like... You're not fooling anyone in that car either. Well, mine's kind of a grandma car. I have like a Chevy Malibu, so it's... It doesn't have that push bumper thing no, on the front. No, thing. no, <laughs> you no. Know, that's the thing when you see the one that's just all blacked out. Like, I don't think you can buy yeah. a car with less distinctive
1: markings. Right. That you can, you know, that's like a custom... <laughs> right, you might as well just put yeah. lights on it. Okay. So, and then three cars down from me is an undercover guy in a pickup truck. Two undercover guys in, in a pickup truck. They're, they're facing, their ass is facing this apartment building. Then, two cars down from them, one of those unmarked chargers, obviously a police car like you're talking mm-hmm. about, with a, a uniformed trooper in it. And then next to that, an uh, obviously unmarked police looking Tahoe with two guys that are dressed like me in it. So, we're one building over. We're actually in front of the building he is at now. So, I'm parked right in front of the damn front door to this building. Wait, so you're meant to be in front of. You're meant to be a door away, but yeah. you're accidentally parked so that right So if he walked front. out, he wouldn't see me because I'm down the way. But so do you know the building that you're going into, or are you about to go into the wrong building? We're, we're just waiting for him to come out.
0: That's oh, okay. Right. I see. Yeah. I see.
1: So I, I'm meaning, meaning to park a building away. But you know I what he looks see. like. So when you see him come out, you're yeah. like, you know exactly the mistake that yeah. you made. Yeah. right. He just walks right out on me. And I, like you said, he looks through my windshield, and he looks right at me. He looks up right like my state police thing on my chest. Looks over at the unmarked charger, the unmarked Tahoe, and start. He's holding a red bag, and he just starts. I can tell he's he starts walking like he's gonna run between these two buildings, right? So I get. I'm calling on my radio. Hey, hey he's right in front of me. He's right in front of me. Well, my radio just goes boop, boop. It's like not working. Oh, yeah. technology. <laughs> so I just throw it down. I get out by myself, and I'm like, I'm assuming all these guys will see what I'm doing, and I'm like, hey, you know, get your hands up, stop, and uh, he immediately goes to his waistband, and I can see metal. Like, oh, it's a gun, right? But I'm kind of slow to process it. Like, is this really happening? You know. And he pulls out a gun, points it right at me. I draw my gun. There's a car between us, but to my left, his right. So as I'm pulling my gun, I duck behind this car, and so I can see him through the back windshield to the front windshield. He runs at me like around the car. So I go the other way around the car. Now he's at the driver's door. I'm at the passenger door, and I'm down low. Jesus, and what he, are the other guys doing? He, they don't even see me. They're just smoking and joking, I guess. And he's reaching over with his gun, like sideways, gangster style, reaching to, over the hood trying to shoot me. And But the gun's not going off. So uh, now I'm like, I did his gun jam? Is I'm not loaded? You know, what's going on? Can oh I shoot God. him through this window and then go through the window? Will that work? You know? All these things are going through my mind. Also, coincidence, I've had this reoccurring nightmare since I've been a cop about being in a shootout where a guy's chasing me around the car because I saw a video of it once. If this turns out to be a dream, Todd, that's just <laughs> not fair. That is not okay. <laughs> so in my head, I'm like, really? Is this my worst nightmare yeah, yeah, happening yeah. right now? And uh, <clears throat> so finally, he can't get his gun to fire for some reason. Takes off running. We will not find that out till later that he can't get it to fire, but he takes so off he running. So he was trying to shoot you. Oh, yeah. He, you I could, could being be a shot person right, right now. Yeah, totally. And he takes off running. I come around the car chasing him, and I have about... Now that he's not shooting at you, you're running after him. Yes. He and, could turn around and shoot at you. And, yeah, this is what happens. So oh, God. I have like a second or two where he's in between the buildings and I'm in between the buildings. Before he makes a turn... Have the other guys figured this out yet? What's Not going? yet. It's just oh me and this God. guy. Oh my God. So I'm like, uh, I have a second or two where I, I literally like, shoot him in the back, shoot him in the back, shoot him in the back. But then in my brain, I was like, ugh, white cop, black guy, don't shoot him in the back. You're going to be on CNN and Fox News, you know, all over the place, Nancy Grace, whatever. Um, so that pause, you know, I it happened long enough, he makes the turn. And I'm like, okay, shit. Now you might be asking, well, why would you want to shoot a guy in the back? Well, legally, I would be justified because he just he tried attempted to, kill to me. murder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now I can articulate, he's about to kill somebody. The next cop that he runs into during this chase, he's going to try to kill. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So I round the building, and when I round the building, he is waiting on me with his gun drawn, and he's squeezing the trigger again. And I'm like, oh shit! And so I'm back around, you know, against the building, and uh, I. Take a look back, and he's running again. So I chase after him. And I'm like, all right, shoot him, shoot him before he gets around the other corner. Because now my worst fear is there's probably cops running to help me. And they're going to run into him, and he's going to shoot one of my friends, right? So, but I'm we're running full speed. I have all this gear on. I'm like, it's shaky. i with miss. all that shit on yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's very hard. And I'm old. I'm 44. I'm out of shape, you know? So. Oh, so this is recent. Oh, yeah. It's like two or three months ago. So I'm like, well, I, I don't want to shoot at this point because... We're in an apartment complex. I'll probably miss him and hit a kid through a window or something, right? Right. So he takes the corner again. Right when he does now, two cops are catching up to me from behind. And one has a rifle. So I slow down. I'm like, all right, let's, let's move together as a group. And uh, we turn. He turns again to try to shoot us. stop firing. He runs. Buddy... But nobody in your group now shoots at him this time either. No. We're, he's almost too far away at this point because I slowed up so they could catch up to me. Mm-hmm. And then a buddy of mine pulls in his charger and the guy points at him as he's running, tries to shoot him. So my buddy's all ducked down in the seat like, oh my God. Jesus, this guy is a maniac. (laughs) So my buddy pops out of his charger and he's like, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. I'm like, yeah, no shit. We know, you know, let's get him. So we chase after him and we split because he's about to round a corner behind the last row of buildings. And I see a privacy fence and houses on the other side of the building. So I'm like, there's a chance... He's tired. He won't be able to make it over. He'll choose not to go over the privacy fence, and he'll just cut, you know, along parallel to these buildings. And then you'll catch him. So we split. Me and my buddy go to head him off in case that happens. Two other guys follow him around the corner. I guess other cops were coming from the other direction now. And when we round the corner. We meet the other two cops and you're like the guys. Where'd not he there. go? Yeah. So we're like, oh shit! He must have jumped this fence. So we go to the fence, and then we hear. Bat 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 like six or seven of the loudest gunshots I've ever heard, real fast. And I'm like, Oh shit, he's shooting through the fence and so I yell it, Hey, get down, he's shooting through the fence And uh, but he's not like I'm looking, okay, no, he didn't so we're all taking cover and then one of the guys we hear somebody screaming and it doesn't sound it sounds like a cop, right? So my buddy jumps up on the fence and he takes a quick peek over and he goes, We got a man down, we got a man down so... Me and another guy tear this fence down, a section of it, and there's a trooper I'd never seen before in plain clothes. He's on all fours. He's holding up his left hand, and he, one of his fingers is just hanging there. Oh, yeah. And this this bad guy's on his back, and he's obviously dying. Um, so we go over there, and me and another guy grab the trooper, get him down, kind of secure his arm, and one of my buddies it was. Was like a special forces guy in the marine, in the so marine he course, knows so. how to stop yeah. the blood. so and... he's doing work on him medically, and um, so me and the other guys go over to the guy that's dying, and he has like five bullet holes in the front. I've never seen I've never seen a person die like that before. You know, I've seen like my that's uh, like from he, a movie or oh, something. Yeah, this yeah. guy's shot, yeah, man. and you can see the like you can physically see the life leaving a person. Like when everybody argues, do we have a soul, like? i know we do because I, I can see it leaving the person like oh my you God. know a body just looks different than a person once you yeah. pass you looks you're not animated anymore you just look fake mm. and so we watched this kid die our kid he was like 30 but um turns out his gun and the trooper is fine he got his they're going to save his finger and all that. But obviously the trooper and the bad guy had a gunfight. They had the a shootout. The yeah. They had a shootout. At like chest-to-chest range. Yeah. Oh, my God. And the trooper
0: just got shot in the hand. That yeah. was it? Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: So turns well, out...
0: Go ahead. You were talking about being scared in a traffic stop, with your first traffic stop. What? How did you feel while all this shit was going on?
1: Well, that's the weird part. Okay, when, when he pulled his gun and I pulled my gun, we're... 10 feet from each other, 12 feet from each other. Running around the car. Yeah. But until we were around the car, with that initial both pulling guns and pointing at each other, way less scared than I was in that first traffic stop. And here's the problem, I think. After 20 years, and I've been in scary situations and whatnot, being undercover. I've had my gun every day on my job now, because all I do is hunt fugitives. I have a gun on somebody every day. But... I've never been in a real situation where somebody has a gun out trying to kill me before, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it took me so long to process that and all these weird thoughts go in my head. And I'm, I'm way, I probably was way too worried or gave too much value to his life and the surrounding people. You uh, didn't did realize that your
0: own life was on the line yeah, so much. Like, yeah. Did you have a Did you have a moment later in the evening, or like after this guy dies, where you're just like, "Holy shit, I, I almost died."
1: Yeah. And I and I got real angry at first. Like I took a few days off because I just could feel this anger, partly in myself because I was like, I waited too long. Uh, I I the whole thing was I didn't feel like I was in enough peril. Well, obviously I was to shoot mm-hmm. shoot him. So I waited too long. I was like while I was waiting on for bullets to actually start whizzing yeah, by yeah. me, you know? Um, so it's kind of the opposite of what I was talking about earlier, being a young troop and being too gun ho yeah. And what—I almost too relaxed or, I don't know, too too humanized. I don't, you know? Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. Not tactical enough. What, uh, so you were about to tell me what the story was with his gun? Oh, yeah. So it turns out... Um, this particular gun, you know, uh, God looking out after me and everybody else or what, but it's a Springfield 45 and it has what they call a dovetail safety on the back of the handle. It's almost like a a button. As long as your thumb or your your thumb and index finger meet and create that V, and it would hit the back of the handle, you would have to depress that before the trigger will pull. Well, because he was going all gangster and sideways, he wasn't gripping it properly. He wasn't depressing the dovetail safety, so he couldn't get the trigger to pull all the way. He didn't understand his own gun exactly. Man, that's you lucky. Yeah, right. You're and then he had too. another forty. They found a forty-four revolver in his back pocket that, for some reason, he didn't think to go for. It. So, so now I guess the purpose of that story is. So was this a fugitive that you were going at Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Was What's wanted, the purpose? Is uh. Here's the effects now for an officer working today. This is why I talked my son out of be. He wanted to be a police officer and wanted to go to mm-hmm. college for that, and I talked him out of it. It's just, it's in such turmoil right now. It's so difficult to be a policeman trying to do the right thing. Um, it's almost too, too dangerous of a world where I work, at least, for me right now. I'm well, you're holding for... back,
0: obviously, in the story. You're holding back so far, like you said. It's almost like I, I got to let you shoot me once before I get to shoot. Exactly,
1: you and know? and you can't be of that mindset. You can't let them fire first, right. right? You know. So I think it's too things are too dangerous for me now, and also, you know, some of these people now have excuses of not complying legitimately. If they say, "Well, I just watched four videos on YouTube today of." Cops dragging black guys out of cars and beating the piss out of them or shooting them for no reason, you know? Um, right, right, right. So why
0: would you comply? Well, like, well, that's what I'm saying is, boy, we all need to have a meeting. Yeah, I know. You know, we need to have a big talk where it's just like, look, I'm a law-abiding citizen, you let me know what I need to do. But, I mean, it's kind of not. Like, really, i got to just lie down on the ground in my suit if
1: you're right, scared if you tell all the me time. To, yeah, so I don't know if this would work, but I feel like you, you nailed it earlier, talking about almost... Both sides need to be educated from each other. <clears throat> if for every twenty or thirty cops they put on the street, if there was one police officer who was assigned as a mentor for youth and liaison between the community and police, and because they do do that in some areas, like well, they do it with
0: kids. My daughter's got a police officer that comes in every week and talks to him. It's and it's this Dare program, which right. is the drug. Do you know, Do you remember mm. what Dare stands for? Drugs and drug awareness, and I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, it's the it's the say no to drugs right. kind of. It's the new version of helping kids to have a relationship with police officers. Sure. It freaks my wife out because there's a guy with a gun talking to right. children. But the reality is, is I would. I mean, everybody wants to be friends with a bartender and a cop. Right. Everybody wants <laughs> to be friends with those two guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, but I don't know if they could expand on that. And to make it also community based where, you know, cops need to take it down a notch or two and learn to relate to regular people more. At the same time I think regular people need to see most cops are are good people and are trying to do the right thing and Well help it's them. almost like that was the, that used to be the whole idea, the
0: cop on a beat, the, beach, the yeah. policeman in the neighborhood, the guy who's mm-hmm. around. So that you do feel like so everybody does feel like they're friends with a cop. Yep. And they, I know that the police force is shorthanded. Maybe they don't have time for all of that. But man, it just seems like if we all got to know each other a little bit, if the cops were not undercover but overcover, exactly. and just like, look, we know this
1: guy. He's in our neighborhood. Right. You know, and I could tell you from being in the hood as much as I am. Um, A lot of when you talk about the hood, you're not talking about the people's neighborhood. You're talking (laughs) about the bad neighborhood, the bad neighborhood where all the crime statistics, the violent crime statistics come from. Those kids come up, and all their mentors are in and out of prison their entire life, right? So, but these are people that they love, they look up to, um, they learn from. So they, it's just accepted. When you talk to these kids, like, when, when you arrest them to, to put in jail, it's no big deal to them. They're like, I have friends and family there, you know? Everybody goes uh-huh. to jail. It's what you do. It's part of being a man. Um, so, when you have no longer have fear of those consequences, what keeps you from committing crimes like that, you know? That keeps you and I... From doing something stupid because we don't go to prison. Well, but the
0: other thing is, what's what when we're talking about some of these crimes that people are committed, some of these drug crimes. I mean, the, the idea that we're still arresting people for possession right. of some small amount of, I don't even care what kind of drug it is. It's like, look, you're arresting sort of the victim. Yeah. This is a person who's using drugs; their their lives are being thrown away, and now you're making it worse. You're making their family's life worse, and it's just like, for man, sure. I don't think. Some of those, some
1: of that stuff. Some of that's is, ridiculous. I'm then, referring uh, more to violent crime. Yeah, so, yeah. Because those are the people I deal with now, mostly. So you're on the fugitive, what's At, it called? Fugitive apprehension team. <laughs> oh, man, that just sounds like such a movie <laughs> right. or a TV show. The fugitive apprehension team. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Time yep. comas. I need them. I almost feel like I should have a mullet. So. Such but they I could see you, you got a good I, face I, for a mullet. I'll man. show you my high school senior picture. I had the sweetest mullet. I had the Agassiz. Yeah. yeah nice. <laughs> I think we all had, we all flirted with a mullet. Sure. Um so what's a
0: typical day of work at the police work for you?
1: Uh I usually get a, a text in the morning that says, Hey, we're gonna go after this guy. They send me a photo, um, all the intel that they've gathered on where he is and whatnot, and then we will uh, gather up at a certain time getting our our truck you know we have a big suv we all pile in sometimes how many they, guys on the uh we have what's it called six. Again? the fugitive apprehension fugitive team because a- in my fact yeah i'm like that's what, yeah we got screwed at that meeting could um, have been, <laughs> could have been gang could have been the fugitive
0: apprehension gang right <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there's like six of us and we just go after these guys In in a truck? Six guys in a truck is a lot of guys in one truck. Yes, it is. Sometimes we we complement it with, I have a, three of us have undercover cars. Like I have a Chevy Malibu, one guy has a Mustang, you know, so. Can you only drive that when you're on official police business? No, anytime we want. It's part of the perks of my job. Sweet. Anywhere within the state of Indiana. Will you be driving that tonight? Uh, No, I drove my truck tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you go in, you meet up,
0: you, this is the guy you're going after, it'd just be one guy in a day generally, right? Yeah,
1: sometimes two, sometimes three, depends. I what... keep saying guy, could be a lady. Yeah, usually a guy, sometimes a lady, though. Yeah. Tell me about a fugitive lady that you've apprehended. Uh, Fugitive apprehended uh, i trying to think of the worst one ever. Just kind of a mob barker situation, or... Well...
0: Uh, Are there any lipstick fugitives, really hot ladies that you got to apprehend? Has that ever
1: happened? Yeah, we did, it was kind of a... Uh, uh, like a Bonnie and Clyde team, these two, and uh, the guy, they're, they're drug heroin addicts, but the girl was... What was their crimes? Very attractive. Yeah. They would—they had this scheme where they would just walk up to, like, um, office buildings, and the guy would walk in, and, like, he, he just had the balls for days, because he would just walk in like he would dress up, you know, mm-hmm. and like he fit in. he just walk in like he belonged, and he would look for an empty office, and he would... If a woman left her purse on her desk, he would just walk in and take the purse and go out with it, and then they would take all the money and credit, burn up the credit cards and all that, and sell stuff off and and then use that to buy heroin. So they were mm-hmm. hitting all over the place. Like we had big Crime Stoppers things on them for weeks. So um, she was probably the prettiest girl lately that I've dealt with. Did Did she try to seduce you to get you to let her go? She oh she didn't know anything and yeah she was quick like. Would you have a phone number that I can you know take if I you know if I need to call you I you know all that kind of stuff? Like no.
0: I love that (laughs) you're saying all that kind of stuff. Like it would occur to all of us, man. If the police (laughs) arrested me, I would be my first reaction would be like, did I do something? Am I... I right. guess I must be... Okay, well, let's go downtown and you can tell me what I did. I don't know what it is. <laughs> right. But meanwhile, the people who are really doing shit are
1: like, should I... Maybe
0: we should get to be friends because yeah. I
1: might have, need you. And it makes me think, well, has this worked for you before? Like, You know what I mean? She's trying it for a reason, probably. Mm. But the buddy of my rest of this girl, this was actually an old story when I was a shirt and tie detective, but uh, we had this old... I used to call him Shaft because he's like old school, cool black guy detective, right? And Like he still wore the... Short sleeve, um, button up shirts with the tie. You know, I he love get the out of short sleeve dress shirt. They still sell those. It's like Barney I was, Miller. Kind of. I was
0: thinking about getting one of those because in the summertime, you know, you want to wear a suit on stage, uh-huh. but it's hot. You yeah, know, you can get if, well, you're if you're not taking your jacket, jacket off. But he he would just walk
1: around without the jacket.
0: <laughs> well, sometimes you take your jacket off. Right.
1: <laughs> well, he he had this ongoing thing with this woman. It, she was a, a kind of a fraud expert. She would she would mm-hmm. steal people's identities and stuff and burn up accounts and buy furniture and stuff on it. She was good at it. He was always chasing her around, putting cases on her. And one time he went to <laughs> I love that it's just this guy's shaft <laughs> yeah. and this one lady. Like <laughs> Hell, his yeah. whole career is like, I'm
0: chasing her again, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was. It was like it went on for years. It was like we uh-huh. would always give him a hard time about it. And he was Angela or something. But one day he goes to arrest her. He, he, he finally, he can never find her when he would get these warrants for it. Yeah, it's weird her. how that happens, right. right? So he finally finds her, and uh, he's so happy he goes to arrest her by himself. Well, she puts the fight on him. Like, beats the shit out of him. Like, she can fight. She grabs him by his tie. She, he was trying to handcuff her, and as soon as the handcuffs went on, she just smacked the handcuffs out of his hand. Grabs him by his tie, throws him down to the ground. On top of him, just starts wailing on him. And by the time, Jesus. yeah, he's calling for help on his radio. By the time we all get there, he is sitting on her. He's out of breath. He's sweating. His shirt's all ripped up. His tie's all, you know, across his neck. It's hilarious. So that was his big day, like his big oh moment. Oh my God, he finally got her. And she beat, him she beat him up before he could arrest And we it. saw it. So we yeah. got to, yeah, <laughs> he never
0: got to live it down. Well, I really, I, I want to talk to you. I could talk to you forever. So we'll, you, I'd love to have you come and talk to me again sometime. But Anytime. This is a this is long one, and I know you got a show tonight. So this yeah. is the thing. People who are listening to this this guy, Todd McComas, who you've just been listening to, is also a great comedian. So if you're in the Indianapolis area, which is where he works as, a, as an officer, you get a chance to see him probably pretty
1: often at Morty's, right? Yeah, I'm Morty's a lot. And then uh, do you have any other gigs coming up right now? Uh, I'm at Dr. Grin's. In Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, second week of January, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, And Todd and I just worked together this this year
0: in Dayton. He's a really funny guy, and if you go see his stand-up show, you get to hear some of these stories that he hasn't told today, and they're really good, and say hello to him, because that'll probably be a while since I saw him, and you know I miss him. So, uh, thanks, Todd. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Do you high five in the police business? Yeah, let high right. five. Sweet.